from the Gettysburg and 91.1 WZBT Gettysburg. I'm Ben Ponce and this is On Target. Today on Target, I'll be chatting with Lauren Hand, print editor of the Gettysburgians new magazine, and then we'll read an article from our latest issue about sustainability efforts at Gettysburg College. Stay with us. And we're happy to be joined by, I suppose you could say, an insider guest here on Target from the Gettysburgian. It's our dear print editor, Lauren Hand. Lauren, thanks for joining this podcast presentation. Happy to be here, Ben. So the the Gettysburgian over the summer uh, moved to this new magazine format, and I suppose it would be worth noting at this point that I am indeed the editor of the Gettysburgian. And when we moved to this format, I did indeed do it largely on the condition that Lauren Hand come on board and be the print editor of this new product. And so, Lauren, why don't you talk a little bit about what the heck this new product is? Right. I think uh, (laughs) the biggest question that people have and the biggest question that we had to answer when we were um, talking about our print format and, and if we should continue as a traditional newspaper was why. Um, And I I guess it's no secret at this point that people don't really tend to pick up print newspapers uh, so much anymore, particularly college age students aren't quite as interested in a in a print newspaper product. But we still felt that um, there's a there's a real role for a print product to have. um, And maybe we should reconsider the format that we're using. Um, And of course, the Gettysburgian is publishing online every day. Um, and that allows for us to be timely um, and, and very efficient with those sorts of things. So, so we thought that um, a magazine could be an outlet for us um, where we could look into issues um, and we could write uh, stories with, with deeper investigations um, and, and more background. Um, and it would give us some room to grow uh, on that side of things while still having a, a print product. So, so that's sort of why, why the magazine. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I think that there is a constituency on campus that, that appreciated a print newspaper. We had been printing biweekly. Um, so about seven or eight times a semester. And I think that it became I don't want to say demoralizing, demoralizing overstates it a little bit. It was disheartening when, you know, you would spend as much time as putting together a print newspaper every two weeks involved, and then the print newspaper would mostly sit unread across campus. You know, you'd you'd bring around the next edition of it two weeks later, and two-thirds of the ones that you had had before were still sitting there. And so, you know, I think that there was, um, you know, with that a – desire to think about, you know, what what we're doing here. But I mean, I think that what the magazine format theoretically and, and you know, we'll see how this goes, but it, it it provides kind of a different vehicle, maybe something that people sit with for a little while and and, um, you know, don't read in, in haste. The other thing about the, the print newspaper was most of the content that appeared in it had already been online. And that's right. not the case with this. Yeah, that's um that's one major change is that everything that appears in the magazine is appearing for the first time. Right. Um so it's it's all new stories um and we're able to do that because they're not um necessarily breaking news right. stories. Those those were just publishing online. Right. And so I mean, 
on that note, we've now done the, the second edition of this magazine. It just came out this week. We're recording this on Monday, November the 4th. The second one came out last week on Halloween, coincidentally. Um, and so, you know, stories that have been in this magazine so far, a cover story um, from the most recent issue dealt with um, the college's commitment to carbon neutrality by 2032. And it was mm-hmm. a, you know, I think I thought it was a really well done deep dive into that issue and, and probably something that would not have really fit the former print format. Yeah, I agree. We're finding um, more and more as we experiment with the magazine format, um, the different types of stories that still thrive on paper um, and and the opportunities that there are for them in a magazine, um, in particular, uh, for example, the instruction spending article is an article with a lot of numbers. Um, and mm-hmm. a magazine allows for us to have nice colored graphs that are so much easier to read yeah. um, and, and much more appealing um, and, and really help us understand what's going on, um, as well as, of course, the, the photography gets a huge boost um, in the magazine. We have room for full-page color photos. Absolutely, yeah. That, um, that look just like when they were taken. <laughs> um, so, so that's a huge benefit as well. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I think that's 100% right. And also with something like that instruction spending article, which if you haven't yet picked up a copy, dealt with um, you know, the, the percentage of the college's budget allocated to faculty salaries um, and the academic program as compared to other priorities. And, and as you might imagine, that story really kind of lent itself to a lot of graphs and, and a lot of things that probably appeared better even in a magazine than they could online. Mm-hmm. In, in a lot of ways. And so, I mean, I think that this format was unique in um, in kind of being able to deliver that content. I mean, and, and the other thing, obviously, is that this allows for the opportunity to do like little kind of feature sorts of things with, you know, the first issue had, um, it, it was around the time of the inauguration mm-hmm. of President Giuliano. Um, had a bunch of just little vignettes that were advice to the Ulianos with just a little picture and and then some text. And I mean, I think that, you know, there was, there's also, I think, an appetite to read things that are shorter than full length kind of news articles. And yeah. that's also something that this allows us to explore. Yeah, it's, um, it's definitely also, um, it's a limiting format because, you know, there's only so many words that can fit on a page. And we always find ourselves trying to crunch them down right. um, when we're putting the thing together. Um, so, so yeah, I think there, there's a desire to read something that has been condensed in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas for sure, like you, you open up a print newspaper and, and it can kind of, kind of looks like it might go on forever. Um, so, so it opens up, it opens up opportunities for content that's concise. Yeah. Um, that can be really interesting. Another thing, um, that's come up in the magazine that's been, um, that's, I think has been working really nicely is the postcards from abroad. Yeah, absolutely. Talk a little bit about them. Yeah. It's, um, it's a series that we have going, um, where we ask students who are currently abroad, um, to write us something about their experience. Um, and it can be about a single trip, um, or, you know, one aspect of the culture or a food that they liked, um, or a class that they're taking, um, or they can, they're free to talk more broadly about what their experience has been like. But it's sort of to get us um, a, a better understanding of, 
of what students' experiences are right. while they're abroad. So, um, a little less less of a myopic kind of. I mean, I mean, think you. Oh, I went abroad and it changed my life. Mm-hmm. Like, is just kind of a common thing that people. But like, yeah, how it it opens up uh, room for for that nuance where I think when we get a specific story from a student instead of hearing the narrative of you know it was amazing, <laughs> right? It was it was it, it was a life changing experience. We're we're seeing that yes, like it is it is life changing, but also there's so much more yeah. happening. Well, and I mean, I think the word you just used is right about more than just the postcard from abroad, and that's nuance. That, mm-hmm. that what, you know, I think just journalistically, you know, not to not to get onto a bit of a soapbox, but, you know, one of the things that is important, particularly in, in this kind of media environment, is to provide nuance and context, and, and, and that's something that, you know, when when you're running a story on a tight, deadline online can be tricky to achieve. Mm-hmm. And when you're running a story that's already run online in print, no one's going to read it, like even right. if you expand with some more nuance. And, and so, I mean, I think that what we're finding is that, you know, a 3,000 word article on the whole picture of sustainability at Gettysburg College, this is the right vehicle for that. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. Um, And I think we see themes emerging as well. Mm -hmm. Um, In this instance, we had um, a lot of content uh, dealing with sustainability and the magazine creates a nice vehicle for that. Um, It also has a very different cycle and a very different uh, lifespan than than our previous product did. Um, We're aiming to put out three of these a semester. They've been coming out at the end of the month. Um, September, October, and and our next one coming up end of November. Um, And so what that means is uh, our staff is working on these stories um, over a much longer period of time. They have more time uh, to do research, to conduct interviews, Mm -hmm. um, and to dig into the issues as opposed to a a biweekly turnaround. So so it gives us some kind of we have our we have a regular news cycle going on um, and then simultaneously we have a much longer cycle for the magazine and the other thing is I think we're finding that we have more stuff than necessarily fits in a lot of cases and that's a good problem because it's enabling us to like hold off on a story until we feel it's ready to go. Mm-hmm. For example, that instruction spending piece was initially slated to go in right. the first edition of the magazine. And and we just had, like, as an editor and, and, and you know, Lauren as an editor as well, we'd had some questions mm-hmm. that then we were able to turn around and, and go back to the drawing board, or not to the drawing board, but back to some sources and and get some more information to make sure that what was appearing in the magazine was what we felt was a full story. Right. And and whereas in a kind of more condensed cycle online or in our kind of former print newspaper, there would be pressure to roll out mm-hmm. a half-baked story, not a half-baked story, but an incomplete story. And though we would often say, we'll follow up on that, it's just tr- like once you've, once you've put something out there, it's tricky to muster up the right there's no bandwidth to go especially because who wants to read it a second time yeah you know if you have to retell the entire story to get it to a second time it's tricky to do kind of that 
you know, piecemeal coverage. And so what what this format allows us to do all at, all at once. Well, it allows us to, um, to, to hold off until we have answered the questions that we are trying to answer. And also along the same lines, I think what we have is a format that is designed around questions um, as opposed to yeah. um, a smattering of, of what's happening on campus and this lecture and that event um, and this tradition. We have... Uh, the ability to stop and ask big questions um, and look for detailed, thorough answers. Um, like in, in this most recent edition, um, where are we in terms of our carbon neutrality promise um, mm -hmm. that we made uh, in, the, in the early 2000s? And, and what have we done? Um, and how are we reducing our, our carbon emissions if, if we are? And, and we were able to to find some answers to that, um, I think, in a way that we never would have, never would have been able to um, for a for a biweekly print product. Right. So. Yeah, and I mean, in the first issue, you know, there was a, a, a lengthy, not a lengthy piece, but a substantial piece about support staff wages. That mm -hmm. you know, are we paying support staff sufficiently? Well, there's research that suggests that many are making less than fifteen dollars an hour, which has kind of been a, a benchmark that you know, has, has been thrown around. We, we were also able to look into kind of a more of a feature angle on a new anti-gun violence club that was mm -hmm. written, started incidentally by one of our staff members. Um, but, you know, it was a different sort of first person kind of, kind of piece than, than has appeared in, in, in what we've done in the past. And, and all of this is to say that I suppose none of what this magazine has is something we couldn't have done before, mm -hmm. but it's providing a way where it's the only, like, we, not that we have to do it, but, yeah, like, there's, it, it, there's a way, it, it incentivizes doing it in a positive way in a consistent manner. Well, yeah, I think um, I would say that it incentivizes reflective Absolutely. pieces yeah, um, more than just fact-finding pieces we're we're looking for pieces that can focus on a larger theme in in the life of the college um and and the people of the college um yeah and i mean i think that that's also consistent with um the broader organizational goals that we kind of worked on over the summer um around you know having our content answer questions like Where's the money going? Mm -hmm. How are we spending our time? You know, students and faculty and staff, like, what are students learning? Right. And these kind of bigger picture questions. And it's, um, I think, I think another thing that, that might seem obvious, but it's just a much more dynamic format to be answering those questions in. Um, so we're able to present them in a way that is much more interesting to read um, and, and frankly, much, much more interesting to write. Um, than oh, for for a for a print newspaper um, or even for for online publication. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean it, it's been interesting and and gratifying to a large extent the feedback that we've received thus far. If any if anyone hates it, they haven't told me about that, and people have <laughs> in the past not hesitated to tell me when they dis have disdain for things that we publish. But I mean I think that the campus feedback has been positive in in a lot of the ways we were hoping. Some people have told me they have sat down and, and mm -hmm. like read a story and then thought about that issue some more. And that's, you know, exactly what we're after. I mean, I see people 
in the library reading this magazine and mm -hmm. I never would have, I never saw, I don't think in two years, saw three years, saw anyone reading a newspaper for form of the Gettysburg anywhere on campus really, other than just yeah. kind of pick it up and glance at it. Right. And I think, um, along the lines of, of that feedback, you know, we, we've, we've heard some, some positive things from professors and, and family members and students, um, about this new print product. But I think, um, Another thing is is that uh, it's sort of a vehicle in and of itself to be looking for feedback. Um, like I, we would love to hear um, people's people's thoughts, questions, concerns about um, the Gettysburg as an organization, what it's doing, um, decisions that our organization makes, um, what we cover, and how we Absolutely. cover it. Um, and so, uh, so we we've kind of opened up um, that conversation as well. Yeah, no, definitely. And and last spring, I had uh, you know written a column where I pledged to start a column called uh, "What Were We Thinking," um, and and in response to feedback that we received, and and that column has not really taken off in earnest yet, in large part because I haven't actually received a ton of questions in that vein. Um, but I mean, I think that one thing, and this is a bro a feature of the broader kind of journalistic media ecosystem these days. There's a lot more interest in a sort of, you know, dialogical conversation in which, you know, there's some back and forth. And, and, mm -hmm. and I mean, I think that that's important. And, and we have links up on our social media pages to submit story ideas. And not just like there's an event happening, but, you know, th there's this issue that I care about and I don't understand why this is the way it is. And, you know, that's the type of thing that a campus news organization ought to be, have the capacity to, to look into. And, and so we're looking to, to build that capacity and, and, and keep, keep, um, keep moving forward. Mm -hmm. All right. I think that's going to end our little conversation. You can pick up a copy of this magazine uh, on campus in the library and in Servo and in the College Union building. Um, and we're looking to have them in town uh, as well at the Majestic, um, at the Ugly Mug. And so, you know, look for look for that and pick up, pick up a copy when you get a chance. We'd love to hear what you think. All right, uh, we'll be right back with an article from this first issue about sustainability that we just referenced. Stay with us. And now we're going to take an opportunity to uh, read an article from the latest edition of the Gettysburgians magazine about sustainability. College shows progress on sustainability, but advocates want more in campus engagement by Nicole DiGiacomo. Over the past 10 years, Gettysburg College has reduced its net carbon emissions by nearly 50% through energy upgrades, energy efficient new construction, and purchasing carbon offsets. 
News of that progress, though, has been slow to diffuse, and student activists bemoan the lack of a more coordinated public commitment to making Gettysburg College's campus more sustainable. Gettysburg College's formal commitment towards carbon neutrality began in 2007 when then-President Catherine Haley Will signed the American College and University's President's Climate Commitment, the ACU-PCC, in which the college agreed to complete an, admissions complete an emissions inventory, set a target date and interim milestones for becoming carbon neutral, take immediate steps to reduce greenhouse gas emissions by choosing from a list of short-term actions, integrate sustainability into the curriculum and make it part of the educational experience, make the action plan, inventory, and progress reports publicly available. Two years after the administration signed the 2007 strategic directions and adopted the ACU-PCC, the college adopted the 2009 Climate Action Plan, a 23-year strategy that would ultimately result in a carbon-neutral campus. That plan set a goal to get the college to carbon neutrality by 2032, the year of Gettysburg College's 200th anniversary, and set an intermediate benchmark to show a 30% reduction in admissions by 2025. According to the most recent data available from Second Nature, which tracks and reports on the college's emissions, as of 2018, the college had achieved a 47.92 decrease in net emissions since 2006. College spokesperson Jamie Yates points to that decrease as evidence of the college's success in reducing its ecological footprint. Quote, Recognizing our collective responsibility as stewards of the environment, the college has a strong history of implementing innovative approaches to reducing our ecological footprint, she said in an email. Due to the college's commitment and efforts in this area, we have already surpassed that goal and are showing a reduction of around 50%, end quote. She pointed to the installation of LED lights around campus, updates to the college transportation system and practices, upgrades to dining equipment and processes, to eliminate waste and water usage, and ensuring that large construction projects are Leadership in Energy and Environmental Design, or LEED, certified as specific ways the college has pursued sustainability. Currently, the renovated part of the College Union Building is under review to determine whether or not it is LEED certified, and Yates reported that the administration will hear back later this fall. Soon after sustainability was launched with much fanfare as a campus priority late in the Will administration, it all but disappeared from the campus consciousness when President Janet Morgan Riggs took office in 2008. Other than the accomplishment of completing the construction of the Jager Center and securing $10.3 million in gifts towards this project and achieving gold lead certification, sustainability is not listed among the goals accomplished or still in progress in the 2011 updated strategic plan. The 2016 strategic plan for the college similarly makes no mention of sustainability. Yates defended the absence of sustainability from the strategic plan, arguing that sustainability efforts are, quote, identified at the office and department level rather than in a high-level document such as the strategic plan. Creating a more sustainable campus is a college-wide goal, and the progress we've made is evidence of that, end quote. But to current and former employees of the college and members of the faculty with a role or interest in sustainability, the omission is a microcosm of the college's systemic failure to engage the campus community in a shared commitment to making Gettysburg more sustainable. Quote, if there is a new strategic plan, it would be great to see sustainability listed as a higher institutional priority, environmental studies professor Rutherford Platt said. Recently, President Bob Giuliano met with the environmental studies department and told the department faculty of the college's nearly 50% reduction in carbon emissions, which was news to them. Quote, after this morning's meeting with the president, Platt said, we see that Giuliano is supportive of sustainability and climate change issues, end quote. 
Professor William Lane, who teaches in the English and Environmental Studies Departments, helps organize Green Gettysburg, a task force within the Gettysburg Area Democracy for America, which provides a forum in Gettysburg and the surrounding area for, to, spread, to spread information regarding environmental issues. In his view, those who want to live in a more sustainable world are part of the majority but do not always communicate with one another. Quote, one of our t key tasks is to become more visible, Lane said, end quote. He is hopeful that increased communication and conversation about sustainability will spark a new set of priorities for the institution and the community at large. The Office of Facilities Planning and Management is ultimately responsible for implementing sustainability-related objectives at Gettysburg College, but that office had no full-time staff member in charge of such efforts, despite the Climate Action Plan's suggestion to hire a sustainability coordinator. Instead, facilities hires interns each summer who spearhead campus sustainability efforts and help to compile the college's greenhouse gas report. Quote, the responsibility of sustainability really falls under facilities who hires the sustainability intern, the 2019 sustainability intern Jack Burns said. Since there is no frontman, there's no one to push ideas. It's a last thought for facilities because they have so much else to do. End quote. Burns worked on campus over the summer to better understand what sustainability at Gettysburg College looks like. One of the primary projects involved expanding composting efforts in the college's dining services. Burns identified an off-site facility that could take food waste from Servo and the Bullet Hole, but the college has not yet begun to use the service. One building on campus that composts is the farmhouse, a student-run college house, but this does not have a significant impact on the college when compared to the amount of food waste from the combined dining services. Without an individual dedicated to coordinating institutional sustainability efforts, the locus of the college's continuous efforts appears to be the purchase of carbon offsets. Platt believes that carbon offsets can be part of the solution, but he does not think they are the complete solution. Quote, sometimes they are used to absolve the institutions of doing the harder work, Platt said. The other risk is that you don't always know what you're buying. So I think it is important that carbon offsets are verified by a third party, end quote. According to the college's 2016 greenhouse gas report, the college has aggressively pursued the purchase of carbon offsets from Carbon Solutions Group. Quote, in 2008, Gettysburg College began purchasing carbon offsets, namely through the purchasing of energy from biomass or wind energy sources, the report says. We have counted these in the third-party verified carbon offsets purchase category, end quote. Yates did not address a question about the portion of the college's carbon emissions reduction that can be attributed to the purchased offsets. Quote, the purchase of offsets to achieve carbon neutrality is a common approach, said Yates. We presently offset all of our campus electricity consumption by purchasing green certified electric credits, representing little over 1% of our annual budget for electricity. The sum of this budget was not reported, but in 2010, the college reported spending $23,000 to offset about half of the college's energy consumption. Quote, on average, the college spends about 2% of its annual operating budget on electricity and natural gas, Riggs said in an interview with the Gettysburgian in 2015. At our current consumption levels, investing in our own power generation would not be cost effective. End quote. Riggs did not respond to whether that was still her stance, but according to Yates, partnering with an outside firm has reduced what the college spends on traditional energy sources. Quote, in 2011, the college partnered with a solar company to install a 366-kilowatt solar panel system on the Jager Center and Bream Wright House flat roofs, Yates said. The power produced from these panels supports a small percentage of the actual electric consumption of the athletic complex, quote, end quote.
one area in which the college does not appear to have made significant progress since pledging to integrate sustainability into the curriculum as part of its 2007 agreement is in developing a, quote, program that introduces all students to campus goals and teaches them how to work towards those goals as a required part of the first year experience program. No such program is part of orientation or the charting your course extended orientation programs for first year students. The college's 2018 evaluation states that professors are given the freedom to include sustainability in their curriculum and coursework. Taylor Vorby, who taught in the English department during the 2017-18 academic year and who has an MFA in creative writing and the environment, said that Gettysburg College's lack of coordinated commitment to sustainability is frustrating, but that it is on par with other institutions at which he has taught and studied, which include a large research institution, Iowa State University, and a smaller liberal arts college, Hobart and William Smith. Quote, my guess is that these issues might get taken on at the administrative level, Borby said, but the marketing is failing, end quote. Borby did not see much of an activist culture that would be necessary to push college administration to make the dramatic changes when he was at Gettysburg. Riggs conceded that her administration could have done more. Quote, this is an area that requires the continued focus of the college community, she said. Of course, there are many areas and initiatives on which I would have liked to have made more progress during my time as president, and I suspect any college president would say the same, end quote. One instance of conspicuous campus activism came on September 20th when about 200 Gettysburg College students, faculty, and community members stood outside of Pennsylvania Hall as part of a global climate walkout through Fridays for the Future. Quote, hopefully it will draw attention from the faculty and staff that this is something we care about, said Piper Mettenberg, one of the protesters. Emma Fee concurred. I hope that because we're in front of Penn Hall, we'll show the administration where we stand on certain issues. Also, I think that it's a kind of community message that this is where Gettysburg College stands along with the other campus communities, end quote, she said. President Robert Uliano, Provost Christopher Zappi, and Dean of Students Julie Ramsey were among those who attended the protest and expressed support for the demonstration. Zappi told the Gettysburgian that there still needs to be more education about climate change. Quote, I'm not going to prescribe any course of action, he said. From my own self-education on this topic, I think there's a lot for people to learn, so I view this as educational, end quote. Juliano, who took over as Gettysburg's president in July, has yet to make a formal statement on sustainability, but he has repeatedly encouraged students to voice their opinions about issues facing the world around them. Quote, I view that event as an example of the sort of activities that our students should engage in, said Juliano in a short interview following the climate strike. He said that no matter what kind of issues students champion, quote, the important point is that they're advocating for what they think is a better world, end quote. Current and former sustainability interns say that in the absence of coordination from the college administration, though, student activism cannot be particularly effective. Quote, ultimately, there is an information gap between who creates the policies and how they are enforced, Burns said. If everyone is being sustainable as a mandate from the administration, that's the only way we're going to see real change, end quote. Mackenzie Summers, who was a sustainability intern in the summer of 2018 and currently serves as the president of the Gettysburg Environmental Concerns Organization, expressed little optimism about the potential for student activism to influence the college administration to take more aggressive action. Quote, no matter how much Gecko pushes for action or spreads awareness, it tends to fall on deaf ears, Summers said. The biggest setback was the fact that there isn't a sustainability coordinator. No matter how much people care, if there isn't a focus on the issue, nothing can get done. Other colleges have taken aggressive action to address climate and sustainability issues. 
less than 30 miles north of Gettysburg, Dickinson College has also adopted a climate action plan in, 20, in 2009. Dickinson President Margie Ensign said in an interview that her campus will achieve carbon neutrality by the end of this academic year, just 11 years after making a formal public commitment. Dickinson has established a Center for Sustainability that organizes campus sustainability projects, which have included installing LED lights powered by a 3-megawatt solar field, encouraging students to turn towards plant-based diets, and establishing a bike-sharing program that reduces the need for cars on campus. Dickinson has also made aggressive use of offsets, though its plan emphasizes that they must be secondary to mitigation projects that directly decrease emissions. Offsets were not to exceed 75% of campus emissions in 2020 when the college initially is to achieve neutrality, and by 2030 are to account for less than 25% of emissions. Dickinson has also taken a role in encouraging broader sustainability actions by colleges and universities across the country. Quote, we are sharing our knowledge, experience, and expertise to help other colleges advance sustainability on their campuses through participation in statewide and national consortia, Dickinson Vice President of Marketing and Communications Connie McNamara said. She said that over 420 students and faculty of various colleges, including numerous students from Gettysburg, attended Dickinson's Beehive Conference in early October to discuss ways for college campuses to be more sustainable, which included changing individuals' behaviors, using alternative forms of energy, and buying carbon offsets. Quote, Dickinson has trained 200-plus faculty members from over 60 colleges and universities to teach about sustainability and climate change at their institutions, McNamara said. Dickinson has invested more than $3 million in sustainability education efforts and claims that more than 140 courses explore environmental, social, and or economic dimensions of sustainability. Gettysburg College appears to have made more progress in net emissions reduction than many seem to be aware. Coordinating a broader campus effort, then, is the college's next frontier. Quote, we need to highlight our existing and future sustainability policies, Platt said, adding that all future policies should be evidence-based. Platt believes that the college has the ability to use student research as a way to determine which sustainability plan should be implemented. These studies would continue in order to see the benefits or lack thereof. One public-facing initiative that has come to fruition happened earlier this fall when every Gettysburg student received a reusable bag that they can use at the bullet hole. Moving forward, non-reusable shopping bags cost 10 cents. Student Senate Sustainability Committee Chairperson Carolina Fernandez reported that the bullet hole now sells fewer than 100 plastic bags per week, a decrease from around 700 to 800 single-use bags each week before they started charging for them. The college has previously had a sustainability advisory committee involved in campus sustainability efforts. After the Gettysburgian asked about its current membership and status, the college said it would move to reconstitute the group and charge. Quote, part of the charge will be for this group to educate campus on the everyday things each of us can do to reduce our own carbon footprint. For example, travel, laptops, and cell phones are all central to the work we do, but also add to the college's overall energy consumption, Yates said. The more we can do to make these efforts a shared responsibility, the more progress we'll be able to make, end quote. More broadly, Yates signaled that sustainability will be a central priority at Gettysburg College in the years to come. Quote, the college will continue to view how it operates with a lens for sustainability as we anticipate ongoing enhancements, she said. However, we can always be doing more as a society and as a college, end quote. That was Nicole DiGiacomo's piece in the latest edition of the Gettysburgians magazine entitled 
college shows progress on sustainability, advocates want more campus engagement. We'll be right back. That's on target for this week. I'd like to thank Lauren Hand for joining us today. We'd also like to thank the staff of the Gettysburgian and the executive board of WZBT for their ongoing support of this project. Be sure to subscribe to On Target on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever else you get your podcasts. On Target is a joint production of the Gettysburgian and WZBT. Our theme music was composed by Diego Rocha, a music major and graduate of the Sunderman Conservatory of Music at Gettysburg College. Join us next week. I'm not sure who our guest will be, but I'm sure it'll be great. Till then, have a great week.